0: Welcome to The Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the city of Lagos and beyond renewed by the gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Good morning, church. The Bible reading today is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. After the reading, I would say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirits. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large head of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church.
1: Let's bow down our heads as we pray. I believe that the Lord will be doing a work of liberation and deliverance from for some of you here, maybe it's a spirit of fear, maybe it's um, something that's been holding you back for a while. The Lord is here to lift burdens and to bring deliverance this morning. So I just want you to ask God that your heart will be open. Your mind will be receptive, that you'll not be distracted by the enemy. Father, we're asking that you make yourself manifest this morning. Father, show your power. Father, display your awesomeness there's anyone Lord under the sound of my voice Lord who is bound in captivity by Satan. Lord we pray that as the word goes forth Lord let there be liberation. Lord where there is emotional damage and trauma Lord let there be restoration. Lord where there are broken relationships oh God bring about healing. Lord for those who are fractured in their minds Father oh God we pray that you cause there to be a reversal in the name of jesus christ father let your presence and your spirit be heavy here in jesus name we pray amen so i just want to encourage you um i do believe that god is going to be doing one or two things here this morning so let let us open our hearts let us trust god let us be receptive as the word of god comes forth and so if you're just joining us, good morning again, uh, we started a series last week in the book of Mark, um, Mark chapter 4 to 8, and in many ways I said it's not its not so much a, a restart as it is a continuation, so you can think of last year we did Mark chapter 1 to 4, and so you can think of that as season 1, and so this is season 2 of the book of Mark, and so um, Last week, we saw that really the controlling theme of the book of Mark, but even this section that we're going to be in over the next couple of weeks, is the identity of Jesus as the Son of God. And so if Jesus is the Son of God, then it means that his teachings are not just good words. They are divine commands to us. It means that his healings are not just good deeds. They are divine activity to us. It means that his commands are not just mere suggestions. They are things that demand our allegiance and our obedience and so that's what we saw last week in the book of Mark and we're going to be continuing that this morning and so as I was thinking about this passage um, it reminded me of something that I read about a couple a, a, a while ago and I thought is relevant to this and so I don't know if you are into movies but for those of us who are into movies you know that over the last decade or so there's been a surge in a particular type of movies there's been a rise of the superhero type of movies. Um, So we've had the rise of, because of people like Marvel and DC Comics and some local ones like Indomie with Indomitables. we've had the rise of superhero figures like um, Black Panther, Thor, um, Aquaman, and some of the others. And so the, the, the franchises have really made a lot of money, billions of dollars. But not everybody's happy about that. And everybody's happy about that, about that particularly those who you consider maybe the old guard or people who um, have historically done things in hollywood and so some people have said a number of things about the decline that these superhero movies are bringing into the movie industry and so one of them is a man called martin scorsese he's a director of repute and he's um he's he's done quite a lot of phenomenal um, movie projects and he said this, he said, Marvel is killing the superhero. Marvel is killing the superhero. And his point is that people no longer go to cinemas and to movie theaters to see um, Malombrando or to see whoever the figure is. People go to see Thor. People go to see Spider-Man. People don't go to see the actor. People go to see the character that the actor is playing. And he's not happy with that. I don't know if you share that sentiment, but it makes one wonder, so why have superhero movies been popular? And a lot of people have tried to dissect, why have superhero movies in particular been popular? And I think it comes down to two reasons. This is what a lot of people agree on. One is that superhero, superheroes in most cases are ordinary people like us with extraordinary power. And so you can think of if you are somebody who is black or African American, somebody who you know has historically been under oppression you go to see someone like black panther because this is somebody who is like you but then he's not fettered or he's not constrained by the same limitations that you have you have a black figure who is doing things and leading things you can think of um, those who are asians shang chi and um, and some others as well if you're a female captain marvel as well but i think the main one is this second reason it says that superheroes are people who are able to triumph in all circumstances at different points in life superheroes are people who regardless of the obstacle that they face they're able to surmount them and so you can think of scenes where you see somebody carrying a train on their hand and they're throwing it into the sea it doesn't make sense but we like it we know it's not real but we like it because we want somebody who can defeat the evil in our life and in many ways That superhero genre of movies is pointing to one person and one person alone, Jesus Christ, the one who can crush and defeat all the problems and challenges that we face. In fact, when we come to this passage, that is the one thing that this passage wants us to see, that Jesus is the Lord over all, who is not constrained by the difficulty of your circumstance. He's not constrained by how long your circumstance has been in place. He's not constrained by your own contributions to your circumstance, but he's the one who triumphs over it all. And I pray that today at the end of this sermon, God will open our eyes to see Jesus as the one who is Lord over all circumstances in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. So there are four things that I believe this passage shows us. It shows us a man who is controlled by demons, a man who is delivered by Jesus, a people who are disrupted by Jesus, and a man who is commissioned by Jesus. Controlled by demons Delivered by Jesus, disrupted by Jesus, and commissioned by Jesus. And we look at those four things very briefly. So, controlled by demons. So, you may remember last week, I reminded, I showed us how that Jesus had said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And what we see as this passage opens up this morning is that regardless of the storm that they had encountered on the way and the difficulty they had encountered on the way, they actually got to the other side. Verse 1 opens up by saying, when they got to the other side, when they came across to the other side, and here's what I want you to know, friends, that when Jesus says, let us go across to the other side, nothing on earth, in heaven or under the earth can stop him. And I believe that's a word for somebody here this morning. Some of us have already started 2024, and it's like, man, like, what is 2024 coming with? But here's what I want you to know, with Jesus you will triumph. With Jesus you will get to the other side and that will be your testimony in the name of Jesus Christ but like any good story we see Jesus get to the other side but there's a challenge waiting for him the man has just come out of the boat and we're told in verse 2 that there's somebody who is full of impure spirits who is living in a tomb and he rushes out to meet Jesus and his disciples this man is somebody who has been hijacked by demonic activity This is somebody who has been taken over by demons and he's living his life controlled by demons. And there are three things that I think are particularly important for us to notice about this man. First is that there is a geographical displacement. In verse 3 it says that this man has become so full of these impure demons that he's no longer living in the city center. He's living among the dead. He's living in tombs. He's geographically displaced. He's physically dislocated from where he was or meant to be originally. Secondly, this man is relationally displaced. And so now, because he's living f- away from where people are, he's living by himself. He's a lone one, but it's not just that he's alone. His relationship with people is now determined by them trying to cage him. He says that they have spent a lot of money. No, the money part is not there, but you can infer it. They've they've spent a lot of money buying chains and buying fetters to actually keep this guy locked down. And the man keeps breaking them. He's relationally displaced. He no longer can have a, a simple relationship with people. His relationship with people is defined by what they don't want him to do. He's geographically displaced. He's relationally displaced. But he's also emotionally displaced. This man is, we are told in verses 4 and 5, that he has now become so full of anguish that he keeps crying out day and night. He's, he's somebody who has been taken over by this activity. And maybe sometimes when he's in a lucid it's like, is this really me? Is this who I'm meant to be? And, and those things are rising up inside him and rising up inside him. And he's now in a state of constant anxiety and anguish. He's physically dislocated. He's relationally dislocated. He's emotionally dislocated as well. And if you want to sum up this man's life, you want to sum up his story, it is this. John 10 verse 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You could say that his physical location was a representation of everything that was happening around him. He was alive, but he was dead. And in many ways, that is what the devil ultimately wants to accomplish in our lives. Everything that the devil does, every temptation, every obstacle he places in our path. Or for some of us, where the devil is actually bringing us opportunities, is ultimately to lead to one end and one goal, to bring about death. But there are some of you here who are skeptical about that. You're skeptical about that because you say, this whole belief in the demonic and belief in spiritual stuff actually has led us a bad way in the past there have been people in the past in our nation and in human history because they believed in demonic activity led them to start doing barbaric things and so you can think about the killing of twins in some parts of our country where people thought that those things were the activity of demons and so they went out and they started killing people and so let's not focus on demonic stuff let's not focus on on spiritual stuff let's focus on the reality that sometimes people take bad decisions and people are sinners and to that i would say you're right in your assessment but you are wrong in your conclusion You are right in your assessment that because in the past people have been so focused on demonic activity, sometimes it hasn't helped them to see the ways that God has rightly ordered the world and they've accused people of things wrongly, but you are wrong to think that we don't have an enemy who viscerally hates us. Hear what C.S. Lewis says. I'm doing Turkey's work for him this morning. He says there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. And if I can speak to us this morning, I think that the way that for most of us in this room, the way the devil tempts us is to think that he doesn't really exist or to think that he's somewhere in the background and not really interested in our lives. But the truth, friends, is that if the devil is the one who is opposed to all that God has done and all that God wants to do, how does it not make sense to us that that same devil is opposed to us? How, apart from demonic activity, can you explain some of the atrocities we have seen in the history of humanity? How can you explain somebody, namely Hitler, killing, some estimates I've said, up to 15 million people? 15 million people, 6 million Jews, 500,000 gypsies, 200,000, almost 300,000 Germans, and a lot of other people. 15 million people. Is that just somebody who was bad? No, I think it was demonic activity. I think it was demonic activity. And there are some of you here, friends, we need to wake up. We need to realize that there is an enemy who is after us. There's an enemy who is out to to maim us, to kill us, to stop us from becoming all that God has called us to be. The devil hates us because we are human beings, because we are a creation of God. But if you are a Christian here, the devil doubly hates you because you have been rescued from his domain and you have been brought into the domain of Christ. You have a target on your back. You cannot afford to live like your life is just casual and ordinary and there is no one opposed to you. You have a target on your back. But there are some of you here that you aren't even debating that. You can feel what this man feels. There is death around you. When some of you think about your life, you can think about decline. And it's not just the decline of I have done bad things. Is that there have been patterns. There have been ways that the devil has worked that I cannot explain. Some of you, it is actual physical dislocation. Some of you, it is relational dislocation. Relationships have been severed for no unexplainable reason. Some of you, it is emotional and mental anguish. The son, I knew who, he he was watching TV. And every time he would be watching TV was as though the character he was seeing in the TV would be telling him to go and do things. Everybody else is seeing the TV and watching a normal show. This person is watching TV and the character in the TV is telling him to go and do things. Demonic activity. There are some of us here that we have engaged in long patterns we have we have engaged in things that bring about death. for some of us maybe some of you it is cutting yourselves as a way of dealing with the anguish that you you are dealing with, the emotional turmoil that you're experiencing on the inside. For some of us, it is engaging in bad habits, and those bad habits have become addictions, but not just addictions in that, oh, you know, maybe if you take these 12 steps or do these different things, you can break them. They have become things that have held you, like the chains that are holding this man, controlled by demons. But the good news, friends, is that we have one who can deliver us. And if there's anybody who is there like that this morning, I pray that you'll experience the deliverance of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ. And so it takes me to my second point, delivered by Jesus. And in many ways, this is the beauty of the gospel. Jesus sees this man, or this man sees Jesus, and he begins to run towards Jesus, and Jesus doesn't wind up his glass and walk past, or Jesus doesn't say, shoes you have more important things to do. Jesus is actually right there with him in the middle of his madness, in the middle of his, of, his, of, of, of his terrible state. Jesus is right there with him. And can I tell you, friends, this morning, that regardless of how long these things have held you down, regardless of how long these chains have, have shackled you up, Jesus is right there with you, and he can deliver you. And you will experience that deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus begins to engage with this man. And in verse 8, Jesus tells him to leave. And to show you the authority of Jesus, he says this man begins to negotiate. He begins to ask Jesus and beg Jesus and, and, and try to say, oh no, Jesus, don't cast me out. Don't send me out. Why are you torturing me? Why are you interfering with me? And so Jesus asks him his name. And he tells him the name legion that's what the man says to Jesus legion because we are so many here's what I want you to notice I want you to notice the power of Jesus Jesus is speaking to this man verse 10 tells us that the demons in this man and in many ways you you can't this man is so fused with the demonic oppression in his life that is it the man who is talking is it the demons who are talking and the text keeps going back between they and and him they and him to show that the demonic oppression has become a part of his life and so in verse 10 he says this man begged and begged Jesus not to send him out of the area and in verse 13 he says Jesus permitted in other words like Martin Luther, the German reformer said, even the devil is God's devil. He acts on God's beck and call. He cannot do anything outside of the control of God. And so this man is begging Jesus, and Jesus permits him. And so Jesus asks that this demon step out into the pigs. We are told that in Roman times, a legion was about 6,000 foot soldiers 6,000 foot soldiers and so if this man has this innumerable number of demons inside of him you would have thought that oh he could you know overtake Jesus he could command Jesus he could rule Jesus he could stop Jesus from doing the things that he's doing and yet Jesus stands as this one person who commands this man full of many demons Jesus is powerful friends nothing is too complex for him Nothing is too difficult for him. Jesus is not limited by the complexity of the situation or the circumstance. Jesus is the one who is sovereign, who stands over all, both on sea, as we were told in last week's sermon, but also on land. Nothing hinders him. And Jesus speaks to this man and he says, get out. I recently made a discovery, and some of us may have known this, that in our traditional religions, there are different there are different you know, gods that are responsible for different things. And so if you are somebody who, in in the Yoruba religion, if you are somebody who, maybe you are a blacksmith or you work with metal, and you want to, maybe you are traveling with a car, for instance, um, and you want to um, make sure that you are covered in your situation, don't pray to Oshun, the river goddess, because Oshun doesn't have control over the car that you are in. Pray to Ogun, because Ogun is the god of iron who will ensure that you are protected. But I, this is the discovery I made, that Oshu is not the only god of water that exists. Oshu is the goddess of the river. There is another goddess for the sea, Olokun, which is where we get open from. But there is another goddess for the lagoon, Osara, which means if you are on the lagoon and you are encountering difficulty and you pray to Oshun, you are in problem because Oshun's jurisdiction has passed now on. If you are on the sea and you pray to Osara, you are in trouble because Osara's jurisdiction is not here. You have to pray to Oloku. And I'm wondering how many thousands of names do these people have to keep in their head? But friends, we serve a God who is not limited and constrained by certain kinds of circumstances or situations jesus is god and ruler both on sea and on land he's god and ruler both in the air and under the air and when he speaks to this man and says go out this man's demons have no choice than to go out jesus is powerful but it's not just the power of jesus notice the mercy of jesus it says jesus in verse 13 permitted them to step out of this man and they run into the pigs and we are told Sometimes the Bible does these weird things. We're told that there are 2,000 pigs in number. I'm wondering, why is this even relevant? Here's why I think it is relevant. 6,000 demons, if we could use that, were inside this one man. He didn't die. And then one, three of them, because that's what it happens, 6,000 to 2,000, three enter One. And one pig runs and goes to meet his death. In other words, God's mercy was at work even when this man's situation hadn't been turned around. And there are some of you here this morning, you're like, God, why haven't you worked and intervened in my situation? Why, have you brought, why haven't you brought around the, the change in my circumstance? Don't you see that the very fact that you're still alive is proof that God is at work in your situation? mercy was at work even before this man met jesus and says no yes i know you have been tormented yes i know you have been afflicted yes i know you are under the control of this thing but i will make sure that nothing will happen to you nothing will destroy you until you come in contact with your deliverer and mercy is at work in your situation this morning and i pray in the name of jesus that same mercy will turn things around this morning for you but notice the graciousness of jesus In verse 15, it says that Jesus heals this man and now he's clothed and in his right mind. He's clothed and in his right mind. One who was naked is clothed. One who was out of his senses is now in his right senses. One who couldn't be still is now sitting still. Jesus is powerful. There is power to give 30 seconds here for some of you I believe that God has stirred up your heart enough and and, and, and you're asking Jesus I want a change I want a a change in my circumstance I want you to open up your mouth to God I mean you say oh Jesus the one who is merciful Jesus the one who rescues Jesus the one who delivers bring about an intervention this morning bring about an alteration this morning bring about a rescue this morning You are the one who is not limited on land. You are the one who is not limited on sea. You are the one who is not controlled or hindered by anything. Bring about a change. Can we just raise up our voice this morning? Can you just raise up your voice this morning? Oh, Jesus is listening. Jesus is ready to hear you. Jesus is ready to intervene. Jesus is ready at your beck and call. But you have to come to him. You have to cry out and say, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. As many, O God, who are in shackles, as many, O God, who are in chains, as many, O God, who are in bondages, as many, O God, who are oppressed by the enemy, physically dislocated, relationally, emotionally, mentally, Father, we ask that they bring about a deliverance this morning in the name of Jesus. Let faith well up in your hearts, friends. Let faith well up in your hearts. Let faith well up in your hearts. There's a Yoruba word I love so much that we use to describe God. It says he's Agbani, Lagbaton, the one who delivers comprehensively, comprehensively. Open your eyes and look at me. The one who delivers comprehensively. And here's the idea. For those of us who have cars, we know that there are different types of insurance policies that you can have. So in Nigeria, we usually go with, with third-party uh, insurance policy because that one is the cheapest. And so, you know, if a damage happens to your car, you hit somebody and uh, a damage happens to your car and that other person's car, third-party insurance policy means that that other person's car is covered. Your own car is not covered. But there's partial insurance policy because some of us, we've got into trouble like that. You hit somebody, maybe that person's stuff is like 50K. Your own is like 200K. Like, I have to go and now shell out this money. And so there's partial insurance policy, uh, which some of us have done, which is to say, I will insure for damages up until this amount. The problem, though, is that when your damage exceeds that amount, there is nothing that can be done. But there's still one more type of insurance policy. There's a comprehensive insurance policy, which means that no matter how much the damage is, No matter what has been destroyed, no matter what has been affected, it will cover it. And friends, Jesus' insurance policy is not a third-party insurance policy that only covers for other people. Jesus' insurance policy is not an insurance policy that only covers up to a certain extent. Jesus' insurance policy is a comprehensive insurance policy. And so friends, Jesus is the one who delivers. Jesus is the one who rescues. Jesus is the one who brings back deadness to life, and he can do that for you this morning. one more thing we see in this passage is that jesus disrupts and so i go to my third point disrupted by jesus and so it's been good news so far you've seen a reversal in this man's circumstance somebody who was tormented by demons now has been liberated and rescued by jesus somebody who was oppressed by the devil now is sitting down Clothed and in his right mind. And so we're expecting at this point that there will be a party. This is how the episode of this season, of this series is meant to end. There's supposed to be a party and we end on a high note. Except no, it doesn't end on a high note. In verse 14, the village people arrive. I pray God delivers from village people in Jesus' name. Village people arrive in verse 14. They see this man clothed and in his right mind. And instead of being happy, they are not happy told that they are afraid but it's not just that they are afraid they tell jesus to leave their region in verse 17 this doesn't make any sense this doesn't make any sense because we know in verses 2 to 5 that they have spent a lot of effort and possibly a lot of money buying shackles and buying chains trying to cage this man up and so if it is that we no longer have to be levying ourselves 100 hundred naira every week to buy new chains for this guy at least let us be happy but somehow they are not happy why why is that the case i think we have a clue in verse 16. in verse 16 it says that those who saw it when they told the village people about it they told them about the man who was delivered but also about the pigs and two things immediately become clear one these people realize we have lost the pigs Now I want you to be sympathetic to the people because that society was a largely agrarian society. 2,000 pigs meant that you had to employ a number of people to be herding the pigs and a lot lot of people to be watching over the pigs. So possibly there will be people who are going to the pigs in the field, there are people at home who are making sure that the farm is well kept and all of those kind of things. So it was a lot of people that were employed. But it's not just that a lot of people were employed. Because people were employed, they were earning money, and so they were able to put back into the, the economy of the village where they were in. And so a lot of the stability of the economy of the village actually depended on these pigs being alive. And Jesus comes into that and disrupts that. It's like, ah, no, 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 Jesus, we don't like this. We don't like you coming in and upsetting our system. And one commentator has pointed out, that it is not just that this man was possessed, it is also that this village and these people were possessed people. Because how else do you explain the fact that somebody has now been liberated and all we are thinking about is the pigs that we have lost. And in many ways friends, I wonder what the pigs in your life are. What are those things that actually we love and don't want Jesus to displace. What are those things that we are happy for the circumstances in our lives to remain unchanged as long as, long as those things remain there? These people realize we have lost the peace. No, we don't like this. Jesus, please leave. But secondly, they also realize that Jesus is not somebody that can be controlled. Because at least we're buying chains for this guy and so we'll tie him up and keep him in a place where he won't disturb us. Maybe occasionally if he was coming too close, we'll drive him out again. But we're happy with this. We could control him. But now Jesus comes in, he upstages things and they realize that Jesus cannot be controlled. Jesus cannot fit into their agenda. They have to fit into his. And friends, it's the same thing with us, that Jesus is the Lord, the King, the Deliverer, the Ruler, who comes in, but he doesn't come in to adjust himself to our agenda, to adjust himself to our priorities. He comes in so that we can adjust ourselves to his priorities. What are the things that are the pigs in your life this morning? What are the things you are worshipping in addition to Jesus? What are the things that you are happy to remain there in your life? Could it be your marriage or a longing for marriage that you've elevated to the point of being the same, on the same pedestal as Jesus? Could it be your children? Could it be your economic and financial security? Could it be Jesus and your jackpot plants? see, our priorities are revealed not only by the things that we talk about, but by the things that we are also afraid of. What are the things that you are afraid of? See, the Bible calls that idolatry. And when we have things that we have esteemed in our hearts, when we have things that we have treasured so much in our hearts, that they have risen to the place and prominence that Jesus is meant to have in our lives, we are now having a God who is competing with God himself, and so we have installed idols in our hearts. And in many ways, if you want to sum up not only what was wrong with the people in this passage, but what is wrong with humanity in general, it is that we have installed things, people priorities and all of those things to the same level as God we have installed idols but you see like someone said if Jesus is not Lord of all in our lives if Jesus is not Lord over all in our lives then he is not Lord at all And what is meant to happen to people who install things in the same level as God is what happens to the villagers here. For God's presence not to be part of them. Eternally, what that means is that we spend an eternity away from God, away from his presence, away from his comfort, away from his joy in the lake of fire and brimstone in hell apart from him. But because God is so merciful, he sends Jesus Christ as the one who displaces our idolatry. But who also serves the punishment for idolatry. And so just like the pigs ran over the edge, Jesus is the one who runs over the edge to suffer the fate that we are meant to have suffered so that we can enjoy a right relationship with him. What are the idols in your life, friends, this morning? What are the things that.? Don't be like the people experiencing the freedom and fullness that Jesus offers. Don't be like the people in this passage. Be like the man who welcomes Jesus and follows Jesus all the way. But lastly, in verse 18 to 20, we see that this man is commissioned by Jesus. He's commissioned by Jesus. And so Jesus obeys these people. Perhaps the most tragic verse in all of the Bible in verse 17, they tell him to leave, to, to leave. Yay. They tell him to leave. And, and Jesus obeys these people and he leaves the area and walks away from them. I can't recover from that one. I can't, I can't. I, can't. I, can't. I need a minute to think about it. Jesus obeys them and he walks away from them. And so this man runs after Jesus and says, Jesus, no, no, I don't want to spend time apart from you. Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to stay with you. I want to engage with you. And in a very curious passage, Jesus says, no, verse 19. Go and tell them all that I have done for you. Weird. Because all through the, most of the passages of the Bible, Jesus keeps telling people, no, don't go and tell. No, don't go and tell. But Jesus tells this man, go and tell. Why is that? It is because Jesus wants this man's testimony in a Gentile area to become the first of his messages, the first of his good news in that region. And in the same way, friends, Jesus doesn't just want us to be people who have just stayed and keep staying and keep staying and keep staying with him. People who love the gospel-centered messages we are getting. People who love the gospel community we are getting. People who love the things that we are enjoying. And we keep feeding fat and keep, and keep feeding fat. No, Jesus wants us to go out with that message that we have heard. And some of you may be saying, oh, but Emmanuel, I don't know how to witness, I don't know how to preach, I don't know how to evangelize. I know it is very awkward, and yes, the truth is, it is very awkward, but hear what Jesus tells this man. Jesus tells this man, go and tell them what God has done for you. In other words, you don't need to fix your systematic theology in place. You don't need to know all the creeds of church history. You don't need to know all the right theology and all the right doctrines. All you need to know is what God has done for you and be a witness to that. God is sending you out this morning but no it's not only that because how does this man know that this message will succeed how does this man know that this thing he's taking out will succeed it is because of the one who sends him in verses 18 and 19 it tells us that jesus is the one who personally commissions this man and friends in the same way can i tell you this morning you have been personally commissioned by jesus Yes, you may have never seen him face to face. Yes, you may have never experienced him physically. But all the things in your life and all the things that he keeps saying to us through his word is his commission to you. In Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20, he tells us to go into all the world. But before he tells us to go into all the world, he tells us that his authority is with us. His backing is with us. He has all authority in heaven and on earth and precisely on account of that, therefore we go. And can I say to you this morning, that you have been commissioned by Jesus. You have a divine mandate to go with all the things that God has done for you, all the things that God has taught you, all the things that you have learned. God is commissioning us to go. But you are wondering, how do I know that this message will succeed? It is because he doesn't just send us with a message, he sends us with authority. The Bible tells us that Jesus told his disciples to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that will come upon them and will enable them to be witnesses in all the regions that he had called them to. And in the same way, friends, this morning, you have not just a message, you have a commission by a king who has sent you to go into all the world with the authority of the God of the heavens and the earth backing you up. You cannot fail. You will not fail. And in the name of Jesus, you will succeed. I want us to stand up to our feet as we
0: pray. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast, and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church